Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Uh, Roxanne, thanks so much for tuning in uh, this week. I have a special, I would say, colleague and friend now, Carl Richards. Uh, Carl is um, one of the people that took my very first speaking course from Carl, and I'm trying, trying to think that was about a year ago. It's um, about a year ago. Yeah. A year ago yeah, I took yes. uh, your six-week course, and uh, since then, at my event back in June, uh, Carl was. Uh, gracious to be my MC, and he did a fantastic job. We had some really, really good feedback on, on that. So Carl's um, wisdom today that he's going to be bringing is just some of the things that I know he has shared um, with me and, and my about captivating people and sharing your essence when you speak. So I'm going to have Carl share a little bit about his background and some of the things that he's done and wh where it gets him to today, where he, sp he trains speakers uh, um, all across Canada. So welcome, Carl. Thank you, Roxanne. And I promise I won't take six hours to tell you my story. I probably could, but then by the end of it, you'd you get right, get right into it. Like you get right into it. Uh, well, essentially what I do and, and Roxanne, thanks for that great introduction. What I do is I help people find their voice so that when they have to speak for business, especially for business, but I mean, I, I, I do it with, uh, with students as well. Uh, people that aren't necessarily in the business world, but people that maybe need to speak for what they do for a living, for work. What I do is I help them find their voice so that when they do have to speak, not only are they clear with their messaging, but they get the results they want and they make more money. And, and the reason why I'm so passionate about this, part of my backstory is, if I can take you back a couple of years to when I actually had a full head of hair, uh, which is so <laughs> but uh, I used to stutter when I was a kid. I stuttered horribly every second or third word out of my mouth. I said, that's just stammered and stuttered and I couldn't speak. And my parents would, uh, God love them, because they tried to help as much as they could. And they would say, Carl, stop and start again. And, and I would, and ultimately I would stutter again. And they again would say, Carl, stop and start again. Well, this went on for quite some time until I stopped speaking altogether, except for when I absolutely had to, which was when, of course, for most people is when they're what? When they're in school, when they're asked to stand up and read from a book or have to read a book report. And let me just share with you that that feeling of what I, what I went through, it was deathly terrifying. You know, think of your biggest fear, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, whether it's spiders or being afraid of the dark and you're terrified of it. That's what speaking was like for me. Uh, and it was two years of speech therapy where I finally overcame stuttering. It, th there's no cure for it. It's just being able to manage it and understanding you know, how to speak and, and some of the, the mechanics of speaking. So that's a lot of what I learned in those two years of speech therapy. And one of the biggest things that I learned, and I'll, I'll share it with, with everyone that's watching today, Roxanne, and you already know this because you've been in one of my programs and I share it in my program, is, you know, the, the only person in control of your speaking is you. The only person in control of your speaking is you. And that's hugely powerful, especially when you have that fear and that anxiety and you're, you're still trying to be genuine and real, but there's something holding you back from that. When you realize that you have that power and you can take that control, 
because you are the one that's in control, that can move mountains, so to speak. And it's, it is such a scary thing, right? Like when mm -hmm. you get out there and, you know, you tell people what you do and you tell them that they, you speak for a living, they go, wow, I would do anything, anything other than to ever have to get up and speak in front of anyone. You know, it's, it's the type of thing that the things that I've learned from you and from others is it's just about capturing that essence. It's like me having a conversation with you right now. I'm just speaking to you. And, you know, if I, there were other people standing here, there'd be a different frame in my mind because now I have to look up and, oh my goodness, here's everybody. But really when I just focus on you and speak to you, Carl, who I know it's not a big deal. It's just a conversation. And I, and I do share that with people as well, that it's just, it really just is a conversation, but our, our monkey brains, so to speak, don't allow us to just process it that way. We get so anxious, we get so worked up about it. And we also feel that when we're speaking in front of an audience, that we have to almost shift personas or we have to become a character. We have to, we have to be a public speaker after all. We're standing in front of people. And that, and that we almost have to transform ourselves. And when you realize that, no, it's about being genuine. It's about being the real you. It's about, we, we, we've heard this word a lot, Roxanne, being tossed around the, the thought leader world and the influencer world, authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can be your authentic self and not step into a persona, and be the real you, whether you're speaking to an audience of one, like, like you and I are speaking today, but whether you're speaking to an audience of a thousand and one, that you're going to, you know, you'll transfer more energy and more emotion and you'll connect with more people when you realize that it's just a conversation and that your center of influence comes from just being able to talk to people. That's where that trust comes in. That's easier said than done. And I, I'm going to play oh, devil. <laughs> I've been in your six-week course thinking, what? He wants me to do what? And uh, it's so true, right? It's that, it's that comfort because as soon, I remember when I had to get up and I thought, oh boy, you know, um, because by the time you sit back there, you listen to a couple of speakers and you think, oh God, I'm going up next. It's kind of, you're, you're, you know, your temperature starts to go up. You're thinking, do I have my you know, um, all that stuff, you know, it, it, you write it, you get absorbed internally within yourself and then you kind of start to, you know, want to perform, which is what I sometimes thought when I was speaking, I thought, oh my God, I got to, I got to give them something which gets me outside of just being myself, which is kind of what you're talking mm. about. Yeah. And, and look at where you, you know, look at where that took you from a year ago when you were standing in front of that, you know, we had a very small audience. I think we had about 20 people. So it, it wasn't a huge, you know, it wasn't like 10,000 people on a stage, but it was still, it's still an audience of people. But you went from that audience of, of 20 people to, you know, hosting your own event, speaking to a lot of influential people who were in the room. So you in, in six to eight months, you know, from, from gaining those skill sets and also gaining the confidence took it to a, a totally other level. And look at you now, like now you're doing your own podcast. You have all these other things that are going on. It's phenomenal how when you realize that, that yes, I can control this and, and yes, I have that power and that I'm the one that's in control of it. And I just, I just, you know, just need to overcome that anxiety and I can be authentic and I can do this. Yes, it's easier said than done. But once you realize, okay, yes, I want to do this and I can do it. It's amazing where you can take it. And you're, you're living proof of that. So thank you for being a good student. 
<laughs> Thank you for saying, okay, you didn't do your homework. You need to spend some more time on That's this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I forget what the uh, percentage you said that amount of time. And I remember thinking, oh my God, where am I going to find this time oh, yeah. uh, to be able to spend on it? But one thing that I learned that was really, really valuable from, from you was to make it conversational. I think uh, mm -hmm. what was good for me is, and I was the cue card, you know, everybody had cue cards. Some people, I didn't use mine when I went up there. It's so interesting because what I did is I recorded myself. I wrote my speech out, like you said, um, not fully, but in point form. And I did it horribly, I would say, five times before I actually got in front of your audience five times and I the first time I thought wow. oh my god this is this is ghastly <laughs> and mm -hmm. it, it got a little bit oh no that is a little bit less ghastly and then before I knew it what ha was happening is I really wasn't thinking about what was on the cue cards I was thinking about what were the points or the things the context to my story that I wanted to share so it's almost like like you said that practice helped me be less self-conscious because I I uh, just in my on my staircase there i have a mirror so i would hit record <laughs> that's what i did i would hit right. record put my phone down and then i would just look in that mirror and then i would try to use the cue cards and then after a while you know i forgot that i had any sequence that i wanted to follow and then mm -hmm. by the time i had spoken with at uh, your event i didn't even look at my cue cards at all um so it proved to me that that process that you had suggested about running through it um, help me kind of embody the actual essence of the message. Absolutely. And I, I think you hit a lot of good points there is, you know, yes, there's a certain amount of preparation you have to put in and yes, there's a certain amount of practice and yes, there's a certain amount of planning, but a lot of it comes from, again, being able to share your story and, you know, and here's, here's the other nugget. Here's the other cheat that I give to people is the audience doesn't know what you don't tell them. Unless you're giving them a copy of your script when they walk in the door, the audience doesn't know what you don't tell them. So if you miss something in your, in your talk, in your, in your story, the audience isn't going to know. But that's where a lot of that anxiety comes in. It's first that fear of, oh my goodness, I'm being judged. And that's where a lot of people lose control. But then they automatically think that, well, if I don't share everything I want to share with the audience, then, then they're not getting their value. But they don't know. So if you practice diligently and yes there is a certain mathematical formula to the amount of practice so you do become comfortable and it depends on what your starting point is like if you're starting at zero then you're going to need to put more preparation and more planning and more practice into it but if you already have some skills if you, for example me stepping into the speaking world i mean i was a broadcaster for for 20 years so i already had a good solid foundation so the practice was almost you know, built into me already. So it all depends on where you're starting from. But once you realize that you still need to put in some practice, still need to plan, still need to prepare, prepare a little bit, but then the real you shines through because, because you, you're already practicing the mechanics. So when you do stand on stage and you, you do get stuck, it's just a matter of continuing your story down the path of, you know, what, wherever that path was headed, wherever Sorry. you were heading with that point of the story. <laughs> So tell me, okay, so let's say someone listening, they got to go up, they have to do a business presentation, or I have a family reunion, I have to get up and I have to talk and I've, I have no clue. I speak, but I, you know, but I'm, I'm not very comfortable. What are some of the basic things that you would, would teach someone 
um, in those scenarios to kind of get ready to, to be able to speak? Sure. Well, the number one thing I teach people is not to wait until the last minute. You know, don't wait until an hour before you're speaking to go, oh, I'm speaking. Maybe I should prepare something. And, and, that's, and, and that, 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 that is a bit of an exaggeration. But I've had people speak at events and such, and they'll, they'll come up to me before and they say, well, I have nothing prepared. I'm just going to wing it and see how it goes. Quite often when you wing anything, it's not going to go exactly the way you want it. So you have nothing to lose, right? But, but really, if, you, if you're trying to make a connection, you're trying to have some impact. Whether you said, whether it's a family event you have to speak at, maybe it's a wedding, or maybe it's a you know, 50th anniversary celebration, whatever it is, or if it is in business, uh, the first thing I think you want to do is establish why it is you're speaking. What's the reason you're speaking? What's your purpose? What's your why? for wanting to make a connection with that audience. Now, if it's family, it's a little bit easy because if, you know, if your grandparents are celebrating 50 or 60 years together, okay, that's, that's quite the thing. But what's the real message you want to convey in that time? Then that's when you start to say, okay, well, I need to put a little bit of time into this. I need to map it out a little bit. So, and again, there's, there's different formulas for that. There's different formulas for, for everything from a signature talk to how to prepare a, a toast for 60th anniversary celebration. So there's different formulas depending on what you're doing. But the key there is to plan it out ahead of time. So establish why it is you're speaking. Give yourself the time to plan it and prepare it and practice. And probably another good thing to do is to run it by someone, whether it's a coach or if you're a Toastmaster, if you have a, a, a colleague that, that, is, that you're working with that can help you with this, run it by someone who can then give you some pointers so that when you do have to speak for real, that you're making the connection that you want. So now the most vital thing that I, I've, I learned um, in your course and since is that we're all into stories. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. what a better way than to capture people by telling, you know, an, you know, there's an opening kind of story or scenario where people are engaged immediately. And I remember, I remember getting a little bit of feedback uh, from the panel saying, okay, you didn't need a bit of that preamble, just jump right in. And since then I have, you know, obviously done that speech several times and I've cut off any preamble yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of takes away from the impact of what I'm trying to share. And it's made a big difference. I think that's, I think that's, the, that, that's, that's, the, I think that's, the, that's another thing you mentioned. I just, I just called something up here. Um, I, I have this video that, that quite often I will check out as I'm, as I'm doing these, these podcast invitations. And, uh, and sometimes what I'll do is I'll watch that because it'll, it'll trigger a memory for me of something that I saw that maybe wasn't right when somebody was speaking. So there's a, there's a video actually of me speaking that I try not to call up. <laughs> often. Speaking before I learned all this, all this stuff, so to speak. Right. And I remember standing in front of an audience and, and, and saying, and, and I'm, I'm not going to say verbatim everything I said, but I, but I did everything possibly wrong that you could as a preamble to my talk, because that's how we, that's part of how we're taught in the education world is we're taught, well, you know, when you're giving a talk, you have to introduce like this and you have to speak yeah. this way. You have to stand like this and you have to do those things. That's not the way we communicate, though, one-on-one. -on -one. When we're just having conversations with people, we don't stand up and say, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker and honored guests, and thank you, everybody. You know, we don't speak that way. We say, 
Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate that. That's how we make the connection with people. So that's why I just looked over there because I had that video running. And I'm like, that's a good re that's a good connection for something you don't want to do right. But it's exactly, you know, you hit the nail right on the head is all those preambles, all those things that you say at the beginning that really don't have impact to your talk, you got to ditch those. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you have to be cognizant of, I think, when you're speaking is not to be too vulnerable. And people do that in different ways. I've heard people do it every way from, um, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not really prepared and I'm not a professional speaker. Uh, so just bear with me. I'm winging it today. And that's kind of a, <laughs> a, an example of, uh, and thrown a, just threw it all together in, in one, one sentence there. But I've heard people do that in various different ways when they start their talks. That speaks hugely to your credibility. You know, Roxanne, if you stood up in front of professionals and said, well, you know, I'm not really ready to talk today, so I'm just going to wing it. People are going to look at you and go, really? <laughs> Should we have invited her today? <laughs> so, so I think that's that's another thing that that I share with people is every time you're in front, in that you're in front of an audience, realize that that piece of real estate we call the stage or the platform or the front of the room or the the presentation area, that's a very valuable piece of real estate. I mean, people make hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes from that area. I mean, look at a guy like Tony Robbins. Every time he speaks, he he makes money in his sleep, basically. But every time he speaks, he makes that connection and millions and millions of dollars. And it's not about the money and it's not to you know, impress you or anyone that's watching this. It's to impress upon you that how valuable that space is. So, you know, and being authentic within that space and making a connection, whether you're trying to make that connection to make money or whether you're trying to make that connection because you're trying to advocate people's uh, something about you're passionate about or you're trying to have people join, join in your tribe, whatever it is that you're doing. That's so valuable and it should be treated as valuable. So everything you say in that space. So Carl, one thing that I, you know, you talked a little bit about what we're hearing out there in the world about um, authenticity. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's my brand is the authentic connection movement. I talk about connection, connection to yourself and how that impacts your ability to kind of function in the world as healthy as possible. In speaking or, you know, connect, you know, when you're out there and interacting, what are some of the things that you suggest that people do to really be authentic with their words versus kind of it coming across as contrived? Are there some kind of tricks or little things that you could suggest that people can try out or practice that might help them? Sure, absolutely. Uh, there are some things. Uh, number one is, and this actually isn't a little thing, it's, it's kind of a big thing, but, but it starts somewhere, right? N number one thing is ditch the fear. I mean, if you have an anxiety, or a, a stage fright, speaking in front of an audience, ditch that fear. Really start to ask yourself, why am I afraid of this? And if you're afraid of it because you know, you're putting on your public speaker's hat, as opposed to just connecting in an authentic way, that's that's going to move you forward more quickly if you realize that, oh yeah, I am putting on a persona when I'm speaking. I just have to be myself. It's that simple. It, it takes practice to do that. That's number one. Number two, of course, is give yourself some time to to practice, to prepare, to do all of those things. I would say another thing that that you really want to do is, you know, and once you ditch the fear, <clears throat> it's amazing the the things that'll start to happen for you. You'll start to realize that yes, I can I can do, do these things. One of the things that I share, and, and, and again, having been one of my students, you, you know this, is just do something every single day to practice being yourself. 
And I know that sounds, okay, well, how do you do that? How do you practice being yourself? I'm already myself. How do I do that? But one of the things that I do is uh, I suggest to people to read out loud every single day. If you read out loud every single day, that will help you when it comes to speaking and presenting. That'll really help you connect when you're reading out loud every single day. And I'm not talking about reading like, you know, a, a, a book. I'm talking about reading like a couple of pages of a book. I'm like 10 minutes every single day. You'll learn the comfort of speaking. You'll learn the comfort of connection. Especially if you, if you happen to have a young person in your house, you'll be able to read out loud to your spouse or your kids or whoever it is. Um, you'll make that connection. So give yourself the opportunity to be real by just reading out loud every single day. You mentioned earlier about the power of story. Stories are huge. The more stories you can share with people as well, even just in a conversational sense, stories about what happened to you recently, that's going to be a huge impact too, I think. You know, one thing that uh, that's interesting because I, I, mm. I did do that. And one thing I also learned was a good way to practice is to, I know when my son was young, guess what you did? You read uh, bedtime stories all the time. Yeah. Well, guess what? You have to be animated <laughs> when you're reading to a two or three-year-old, but uh, suggested just getting some fairy tales and just reading it out yeah. loud. And I just thought, you know, because I did it so naturally when he was mm -hmm. young and I did it, you know, thousands of times and it hadn't really thought about it. So I started to do that again. And that really made you realize like how much you put into it. Like, you know, because you yeah. to appeal to a two or three or four year old who's going to look at you blank if you stay kind of monotone. But Absolutely. You have to, you know, and then there was the action to hit the, you know, hit the, the doorknob because, of, you know, those types of things. And then I was like, wow, interesting. Because, you know, when you get in front of people, you're thinking, oh, am I animated enough? And then when you're thinking of reading a, a fairy tale out loud, you're like, I've got that. It made it a little bit easier. Well, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an extension of your authentic self. But it is your authentic self in a way. Because the way we talk to children, really the way we talk to adults is just a level up from that or a couple of levels up from that. Um, but, we, but we tend to lose the authenticity. We tend to lose our genuine selves we, because we feel we have to put on a persona. We feel we have to put on the public speaker's hat. I've mentioned that before. You know, we feel we have to be in this, this place of, of speaking professionally when really what you have to do is just, again, like you said, like reading out loud is a great thing, especially if you have kids because we naturally animate. You know, we're holding the, the, the picture book and we're saying, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. And we're doing all of those things right. to connect with the kid. And it happens the same way with adults if we allow ourselves to do that. I think that's one of the big things too. It's just allow ourselves to connect. Mm -hmm. Allow ourselves to just connect on a genuine human level. I think when we... When we put on our business hats, we think, oh, we're, we're in a business mode. I'm in business mode now. I have to speak a certain way. Well, okay, you have to speak politely. You don't want to curse and swear at people. Those are things right. you don't want to do. But how would you have a conversation with people normally? How would you have a conversation with your son, for example? Who's a great golfer, by the way. I have to say, I've seen some of the, some, some of the things there. Yes, but how would you have a conversation, like have a conversation with him? Just normal, matter of fact, you know, like when we try to have dinner as much as we can together, I'll say, so like, you know, how was your day? What was the best part of your day? And he'll kind of tell me a story. Well, you know, this happened, so-and-so got in trouble or whatever. And then he'll go, well, well, what happened with your day? What did you do today? And I'll say, well, you know, I've had two podcasts or mom saw a couple of clients and, you know, I had an event, you know, so we just, yeah. we just conversate back and forth. And, you know, sometimes because he's a teenager, I might have to, 
you know, ask some leading questions because I know that's what works with him. But generally, right. it's a very smooth kind of flow. You're right. I'm not going to, you know, be mom, the speaker with him because he wouldn't take me seriously right. or mom, you know, the therapist because he would probably giggle because I was being so serious. He would be like, okay, mom, what's up? <laughs> what's going on? Right. Exactly. Me and my persona. So you're so right. It's, it's that context of just be yourself. Yes. Certain environments. You're right. If I'm speaking to a professional audience, Versus if I'm um, speaking at a, an event uh, for family events, my, mm. potentially my tone or certain things I could get away with, with at a family event, I would not do at a professional event, but still to be myself, whatever that means, just to create flow. I think there are times that, um, that people, when they're, in, in, when they're in their business, when they're in their business heads or when they're doing business presentations, they have a hard time being authentic. They have a hard time bringing their personal selves to the platform because they feel they're going to be judged. Um, that's one thing that I would say that, you know, you have to, you have to be able to let that go. You have to be able to let, not let people judge you, but you have to be able to let people see you as a real person. You have to be able to let people see that as part of your story. Uh, and the people that do it well are the ones who are, you know, having the most influence in our world today the ones who allow their personal stories to come through. Roxanne, I know you do that and you're, you know, you're, you're still strengthening it as you go. But the more you allow that story, not to be vulnerable, but just to let people see that, yeah, behind this business person, there's a real, there's a real Roxanne. And I'm glad I connected with her because here's the thing. People will not, certainly in the business world or in the, in, in the consumer world, you're not going to buy based on logic. You're going to buy based on emotion. So the more of a relationship you have with people, the more of a human connection you make, the stronger relationship you're going to build. Right, which and it's so true, right? When you're speaking, uh, people are, first of all, yes, to some degree, we're going to say, you know, they look at you, they're going to make some judgments, right? Obviously, but they need to feel connected in some way to some, whatever you're going yeah. to share with them. And they have no idea. Absolutely. You just walked in. They may have passed you in the hall and they have no sense. And then you have say 20, 30, 40 minutes to be able to share a message. So, um, you know, definitely I think connection is key. What about people that try to kind of derail you? Let's talk a little, I know that's a fear of everybody that thinks, Oh my God, now you got me up front, but now I have to think about how am I going to deal with, and I mean, hecklers is a wrong word. I, I think you rarely yeah. get people, but you'll have people that will, get you off your flow or your groove. Like I know when I was in New York, yeah. I was talking and I was talking about certain things that people could do to stay present. And, uh, and then I asked the audience, you know, what are some of the things that you could share? And one person said a nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> so I, said, yeah. I, look, I looked at that person and I said, yeah. wow, good for you. If you're yeah. able to be able yeah. to take a nap periodically in the day, um, it's, it's fortunate that you're in that position. Um, however, for some of us that don't have privilege as often, um, you know, what other things might you, so I just kind of rolled with it mm -hmm. and went on to something else. Um, do you think that was something that worked, would have worked well in that context or how would you have dealt with something like that? And again, it, it always depends on the amount of heckling that's happening. If it's okay. innocent and it's in the moment, I mean, because some people will heckle from the back of the room and those are the people that need to be escorted out. Right. <laughs> but if it's, if they're, if they're, if they're making, not making fun, but if they're poking a little bit of fun and being a little bit real with the question that you're asking, then I, I typically have a comeback. 
or I can think of a comeback fairly quickly. So in that sense, you could say, you know what? You're right. We could probably all use the net. And you could, you could just, just roll right, with it. And right. comedians are very good at that. Comedians right. are very good at, at being able to throw things back. And usually comedians start it as well. But they're very good at being able to throw things back at the audience. Don't be afraid to involve the audience and let them know that, yes, you're, you're a part of this. And they should be able to react. But if it's, if it's not a connection that you want to make, again, the only person in control of your speaking is you. So own that and say, let's move along. And hey, that's a great comment. Yeah, let's, let's move things forward a little bit so we can get to nap time later for you know, Frank over there. Frank, you ready for a nap? Okay, just hang on a few more minutes. Then you've addressed it. Now you can move on. It's being able to address it and move on. And if it's something that does need the meeting planner or you know, somebody else, to, if they're really being disruptive, but if they're adding something to it, especially if it's adding humor, and it's at a time where the humor may be needed to lighten up the mood of the room, then by all means, I say go for it. As long as it's not deflecting from your purpose, so it goes back to your purpose for speaking. And if you think it's being dis disruptive, then that's where you maybe have to address it differently and say, mm, no, not, probably not a nap right now. Right. Any, any other ideas and kind of move on from it. So you kind of go with the resistance, kind of... Um, yep get a litmus test of what the context of where you Absolutely. are in your speech and then kind of, you know, uh, either deflect it or go with it for a bit, make light of it and then move on. Don't get too. And I think the main thing then, you know, having been in those situations, it's like, uh Oh, for a second, right. That yeah. little green man in my head that says, Oh my God, yeah. what's going on. And then I just stopped and went, you know, kind of went with it. And, and then the audience, they, they giggled, right? Because they all, they all, we all want to be able to take a nap. Of course. We have to do it on a Wednesday. Absolutely. It's like, Absolutely. okay, a cup of coffee or a nap? I don't know. I'd be yeah. taking a nap, Carl, but <laughs> that's not the answer. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. rarely I would say that you probably, I mean, you probably, I know you've done more speaking than myself. Mm -hmm. um, you might get the odd person, but generally I haven't had a lot of really people trying to really get you off your game. It may be, you know, someone trying to hear their own voice or maybe it's a work environment or those yeah. types of things, but generally I haven't that much of a, a situation with that. Not in that sense. I mean, I would say in the political world, you're probably going to get more of that. And that's when then obviously people are escorted out of the room. But I mean, but even in that sense, I think, I think there's a certain amount of political speaker training that, that people probably, uh, probably have had to go through. So they know if they're dealing with a heckler, how do they do that? You know, how do they, you know, what are some of the things that they can say that still may, allows them to maintain their composure? And that's a different level of training altogether. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's politics and speaking. It's, I'm not so sure I would want to go there. Exactly. Now, now, Carl, one thing that I think I would like to touch on, and I know we're almost coming to time, is kind of, mm -hmm how to frame, you know, and I know we can't get it. We, it takes your, sure. your six week course or your four month course yeah. to get into it, to really, really strip it apart. Um, and I know how much it took for me to be able to write mm -hmm. that first speech, but what are some of the uh, things that you could probably start people to start to think about if they were to want to write something, having uh, to present something, some kind of um, points that they might want to keep in mind. Sure. Sure. Uh, number one thing I think is firstly, what's your story? What's your story? Because people want to hear your story. People want to hear your why. Why is it you do what you do? And then once you've established what your story is, and, I, and I, I'm not going to go into the mechanics of how to, you know, organize a talk and, you know, call to action and all that stuff. 
Um, by all means, you can call me after, after this to figure out how to do that. But the story, once you've figured out the story, what are three things that you can offer to people? Direction, guidance, pointers, whatever it is that's going to move them forward, whether it be in their business life, their personal life. What are those three nuggets of information? I like to think in terms of threes because we, we remember threes. You know, if you add too many things to a list, because quite often checklists come in 10 or 15 or 20, that's a pretty daunting list. So if you keep it to three main points that you're going to share with people when they're speaking, starting with your story, then those three points of here's how you can change your life or here's how you can move towards being more authentic or here are three things that will allow you to, you know, to ditch the speaking fear and be more confident when you're speaking in front of an audience. That's going to then allow you to keep on track the audience will be able to absorb the information. And then, you know, the point that you want to leave them with is whatever that call to action is, whatever that, that thing is, that, that little thing that you want them to do with the information that you've just shared with them. So you have an introduction for them, and it can be something as simple as, uh, you know, a, a lead into your story, your three points. But then that call to action, what do you want people to do with that information? What, what, what do you want them to do with it? Do you want them to sign up for a discovery session with you? Do you want them to buy your book at the end of your talk? Do you want them to, you know, get on your mailing list? What's the, re, what's the ultimate goal? And that's where, then this is where the planning and the practice and preparation comes in. Because if they understand that, oh, okay, I need to be able to share this at the end so that it's connected all the dots for the audience, then they'll know what to do with that information. Quite often speakers forget that that call to action is one of the most important pieces. They think if I just give the information and then say, thank you very much, you've been a great audience. It's almost like I tune it to going on vacation and stopping 20 minutes short of your destination. <laughs> You're probably not going to have a very good vacation. Right. So same thing with the audience. They feel like they're, they're being robbed or that they're being, they're, there's something missing. So that's what the call to action is. They can be really simple as in, you know what, come and talk to me after the meeting today or come and book yourself into a discovery session and we'll move things forward from there. So the introduction that kind of tells your story, your why, those three supporting points that are going to give people the reason as to, you know, or how you can help them. And then the call to action. What do you want the audience to do with that information? Do you do uh, like a summary or a closing before you do the call to action? I, you know, generally in a speech or because your three points would have covered things, it probably would, or do you, would you summarize or do something like that or have like an ending kind of snippet or story before you have your call to action? You can, but I think that what happens in that case is we end up stepping into the public speaking and we put our public speaking hat on again and go, well, when we're public speaking, we have to summarize. And right. then we use certain words that we would always use when we're summarizing things, including the word summarize. Which is a very genuine, connecting, authentic word, right? right. So, but if we just give people the information and then say something like, I hope this has been very helpful. Those three things, again, those three things that will help you move forward are number one, number two, number three, whatever they are, and then your call to action as opposed okay. to in summary or to summarize, here's what we spoke about today, but because we tend to do that, right? So if we allow ourselves to just be real, even when we're summarizing, if we are going to do it, but you don't have to. I think we feel we have to because we think people have forgotten. It's only three things they have to remember. You can even poll the audience and say, what were the three things we covered today? Right, right. You can do that as your summary, as opposed to you <laughs> saying, here's what we covered today. Ask the audience, what, what did we cover today? Excellent. Right. And then give the call to action. So our, attention, so our attention span's not very 
long. No, it's it's not, it's not, <laughs> and it's getting shorter. It's getting shorter. In kids, I think it's something like twelve seconds. In oh, adults, I think it's two minutes. Like it's that's why it's important to truncate your information right. and make sure that you're, you know, when you're quite often when I'm speaking now, I'll repeat things because I want people to get that information. So one of the takeaways for today is the only person in control of your speaking is you. I've said that a couple of times. I just said it again. And people who are watching this and listening to this will be like, okay, I'm gonna take that because I told it to them three or four or five times today, as opposed to just mentioning it once. If you do that in a, in a way that connects, you'll never need a summary. You'll never, you'll never need to summarize before your call to action. Well, I love that because I needed a quote from you anyway. There so, you go. <laughs> so there's my quotes because I wanted that to be able to market things. So the only person in control of your speaking is you. The only person. Okay. That's and the audience it. doesn't know what you don't tell them. The audience doesn't oh, okay. get some information. Awesome, awesome. Now, Carl, um, these are all, you know, things that I now, you know, like you said, uh, sure. 9, 10, 11 months later, I'm like, wow. At the, when I was learning them at the beginning, it was coming at me and I was, you know, it takes a while for it to get, get absorbed, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even if, if this is, and I'm sure people listening and viewing have probably done a bit of speaking. But what opportunities are there that people might be able to um, reach out to you, maybe to chat a little bit more, to figure out sure. a bit more about where they're at and where they want to be? Are there, th are there things that you offer um, that, that uh, you could tell people about? Absolutely. Uh, one of them is my, you mentioned the six-week program that you took. I've actually extended that into a four-month program. We, wow. we just we just cover more content because in six weeks, you know, there's a lot that we try to cover in six weeks. I know, weeks. I know. And, and I was feeling, and a lot of participants were feeling, if we only had a little more time to work on certain things. And so I've added more content and I've stretched things out a little bit over four months. And in those four months, we cover everything from creating a 30-second elevator pitch that gets you referrals and gets you appointments to a 10-minute signature talk that gets you, that you know, basically positions you in that influencer role that speaking role and gets you the results you want, whether it's, you know, you want to make more money from speaking or whether it's you want to book more clients, whatever it is that actually has already started. There's still a couple of spots though, because we're going for four months, getting you caught up. And, uh, we, we started it on November. The, the what's today. We started on November. The, 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 the what is today? We started uh, on November. The, we started on November the 7th. So, so we still have, we're, we're, we're the sixth today. So you're, <laughs> we're the sixth today. Yeah, we are the sixth. Okay. So we, <laughs> so we're starting it on November the 7th. I'm sorry. I need a calendar in my head. We're starting it on November the 7th. We're going to go for, obviously we'll take a break over Christmas. But we're going for four months. We okay. still have a live event at the end where people get to deliver their 10 minute talks and get the feedback that they need from the audience. Uh, and from the panelists, we have a, we have a live panel as well that weighs in. But the other thing too is it starts with a conversation with me. So if you're if you're wondering what's next, uh, then schedule a speaking breakthrough session with me. And in a speaking breakthrough session, what we do is um, we find out what your goals are for speaking. We identify any blocks or barriers that are holding you back, and then we set up a plan because maybe the plan for you personally isn't a group program. Maybe it's more one-on-one -on -one coaching that you need or one-on-one -on -one training. Uh, so there's a couple of different things you can do there. So definitely consider the speaking breakthrough session. It's 20 minutes with me. 
It's complimentary. It's going to give you some tools and establish what's next for you as you wrap up this calendar year and go into 2019. And then if the group program is something that you're interested in, I do have one spot left, by the way, for that. Um, contact me. I'd be more than happy to, to give you more details about that. Awesome. Well, Carl, it's always, I always learn something. Like I just picked up something again, um, you know, just about, uh, just not not using the summary word, uh, but just to be myself and kind of reiterate or, or reach out to people and say, you know, what are the three points that I covered yeah. today? You know, and again, it's, it's, you're so right when you say it's a refinement because I have done that yeah. speech and I've watched my video on YouTube, which is up there if anybody wants to go and watch it and that I can tell you and I could compliment you on this um, the emotion because I you know I, I'm, a, I'm a I think I'm a good speaker but that day mm -hmm. based on the training that I had with you allowed me to put emotion into what I was really you know I think I kind of let go and I was a bit more connected yeah. and I remember seeing it um, like you said you don't want to get lost in it but I, w I felt like I let enough up and that was the first time that I was able to do that. And I'd obviously spoken before. So that's a compliment to what you had taught me. Um, and then obviously everywhere I've gone since, I bring that kind of, I call it the visceral or the body learning with me. Mm -hmm. So I can capture what I was feeling at some times with, with, with the story that I share, which is was really impactful in my life. So thank you. So thanks for spending the time. I hope anybody thank that's you. wanting to do more speaking, uh, Carl, I would recommend uh, to do his course. I know it got me off the launch pad and has gotten me into lots of amazing places since. And um, today, like he said, tell stories. We love to hear stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure we all run into stories inadvertently in the, the grocery store line or, or, or what you saw on the street or whatever. Just think about those things and even practice those in the interim. And that makes you get better. Read more bedtime stories to your kids if they're younger. That kind of gets you prepped and ready to go. So again, Carl, That's take nice. care. I'm sure we'll see you soon. And Thank you, Roxanne. This has been take, great. Thank take you. care, everybody. If you're wanting more information on me um, and uh, my program, you can go to roxanderhodge.com forward slash blueprint, and you have a download for a free course on how to be more authentically connected to yourself. Okay, take care, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.